Hey, it's McLean here, and I just wanted to say sorry, because due to me not paying attention, I recorded this whole episode on my shitty mic instead of the good one. But don't worry, I'm fine, and I'll be back on the good hardware next week. Listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. My name is Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. And I'm Evie. Uh, We've got Isaac also here in our ears, keeping us uh, factual and on the straight and narrow as any good dad should. And Tom Lang is out on assignment this week, much like uh, the federal parliament, I guess. (laughs) Well, that on assignment. This is a stealth way Got of him. calling Tom Lang a coward. <laughs> <laughs> or the most powerful person of the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, something we didn't hit last week, and I just I've been stewing on it all week. Is just the notion that Parliament was cancelled. Uh, Scott Morrison called it a no-brainer to cancel Parliament. Not going to be sitting. Can't be sitting. Too too unsafe during a global pandemic. Not the footy though. Not. Every other worker, not the um, the factory outlets in Melbourne, have had uh, two confirmed cases, and there's going to be absolutely no shutting down of the DFO for deep clean. But Parliament, ooh, can't yeah. can't risk that. Can't risk. Yeah, them. Out, some jobs are not essential. <laughs> <laughs> Society has moved past the need for Peter Dutton. <laughs> it's so like Parliament is such an easy one to switch out with, a, like a Zoom or you know just. You can put that online. You just do it remotely. Why haven't they already got that? I reckon it's because they'd all feel way too down about the fact that like they can't feel the energy in the room when they do that fake laugh at the opposition or when they cheer. Like it's just not the same when the the audio clashes together and everything sort of like drops out at once and there's nothing. Like th- there's no point in Parliament if you're not going to be able to just you know accuse people of anything you want and then have all your friends go ho, 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 and not get anything done. It's also like when you're actually sitting in Parliament, there's that, you know, there's that prestigious feeling that comes from that. So like Parliament's a big, beautiful building and has like staff that like, you know, bring you your lunch and stuff and, and you know, that sort of thing. And so you've got all the politicians who are like, what, what? I'm not going to do Parliament from home. Who am I supposed to sexually harass? My wife? Every <laughs> single every single person in Parliament thinks they're like Paul Keating and they just think they're the next thing they're going to do is do it like a stand up and make a speech that ends with, I want to do you slowly. So like that's that's pretty much how every person in parliament carries himself and they can't do that effectively over zoom and i guess it's not as easy to pontificate if the speaker of the house can just uh hit your mute button as well (laughs) (laughs) which i'm doing to isaac right now (laughs) (laughs) worth keeping in mind that when they are not sitting in parliament they're also not going to be talking about some of the shit that they definitely don't want to be talking about like sports rorts so sports rorts we started talking about that um, when we started this podcast about eight and a half years ago, but it continues. That I didn't realize there could be high level revelations still coming out about sports rods. I thought we were pretty much done and dusted with the like, holy shit, that's an absolutely insane amount of corruption. I thought we'd just get like the little bits of like, oh yeah, this staffer did this illegal thing, or they put this thing over here deliberately when they shouldn't have. But um, it's 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 turned out that at least six of the projects approved by Bridget McKenzie, hadn't even applied for the grants when they got them. What? Yeah. That sounds really corrupt. 
that's not even, like, that's not even, like I said last week, there's usually some level of fake honour amongst these people where they try to, like, finagle the rules a little bit. But this is just giving money to people and then going, <laughs> you should apply for this grant. Do it around the other way. What the fuck? It turns out that, like, you know, when you realise there's no consequences for your actions, you get pretty bold about it. And that turns out you can even just give money to people. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, nothing's happened since January. Nothing's happened since the episode that we covered oh, it. No, Evie, Bridget McKenzie <laughs> resigned. Remember how in every news article she resigned? She yeah. resigned her portfolio. And, and it's a pretty canny time to bring it out when everyone's concerned about literally everything else going on well, with yeah, the Well, yeah, that's world. the other thing as well, is that, you know, there's no, there's no way to really focus on this and give it the due it's worth because you, you can make some sort of an argument to be like, oh, well, you know, how important is this coronavirus? Are you really still talking about this sort of stuff now? It's like, well, we are because we're a fucking podcast. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> <laughs> so at the very end of this, we're going to be coming back out of it. You know, the, the, the economy is going to be slowly recovering in 2022 and we're just still going to be like, but the spot's rot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the excuse that's trotted out for, you know, climate stuff and, you know, everything is like, now's not the time to talk about X. Whatever the issue is, you can always say, oh, now's not the time to talk about blah, 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 because blah, blah, blah is happening. That just happened last week. Um, Daniel Andrews was like, oh, now's not the a time to talk about insecure work. That's it. like, you know, there's another time for that conversation. It's literally happening to insecure work. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> the thing I saw was when, when a reporter was like, hey, are you thinking about the election? And he was really like fake indignant. <laughs> I was not the time to be thinking about the election. I'm not thinking about anything. The politics is the last thing on my mind. And it's like, dude, you're only thinking about the election. But I also didn't <laughs> realize he was also saying like, now is not the time to be talking about anything that I'm not right now talking about. Yeah. That, that's the thing is like no matter what you do like these issues are always ongoing and there's always more than one issue and so when you say now's not the time to talk about blah that's just saying like it's important to me that blah continues without leadership or oversight for the time being that, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's irresponsible <laughs> it's like you know come on guys the, the pandemic's on so it's pretty important to me right now that the insecure work problem gets worse <laughs> So, speaking of sports rorts, uh, you'll remember Phil Gaitchens, the Secretary of the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, who had to write the infamous uh, Gaitchens report, which was uh, basically Scott Morrison was like, all right, all this sports rorts stuff is getting a bit too out of control. Everybody <laughs> thinks that my whole ministry is corrupt, and I don't care for that. So, Phil Gaitchens, you go and investigate everybody and get a handle on what's going on and, and you know, get to the bottom of this. And he... Gaitchens wrote the report and he gave it to Scott Morrison and Scott Morrison was like, I've got the report. And he says, everything's fine. And everyone was like, can we see the report? And Scott Morrison was like, no. And <laughs> everyone was like, can we see any evidence the report exists? And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> For fuck's sake. It's just, uh, it's the lamest, worst type of authoritarianism. Like it's not even it's not even cool. There's not like troops on the ground. It's just petulant baby nonsense. No, you can't. No. It's mine. I yeah. trust him. You should I can't trust believe, me. I can't believe they went full skinner with the steamed hams on this. It was like, is there a <laughs> borealis behind this door? <laughs> yes, it is. Can I see it? No. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, so it's come out this week that maybe one of the reasons that Scott Morrison didn't want you to see the Gaitons report is guess how many people 
Gaetan's interviewed in, in, in getting to the bottom of the sports fraud scandal? The what? answer is two. He interviewed two people. <laughs> and, he interviewed and who were they? Bridget McKenzie and he interviewed the head of Sports Australia. And here's point... my impression of those conversations. Hey, Bridge, are you corrupt? Yeah. No, I mean, for the report. Oh, nah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, hey, Bridge, are you corrupt? Yeah, yeah, what do you need? No, 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 I'm doing a report. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> At this point, like, I just, I actually honestly admire the brazenness of it. It's like, good on you. You figured it out. You figured out the grift. Well done. Yeah, I mean, what do you mean? (laughs) Just, yeah, just, just the idea, because like, there's, there's also the reports coming out at the moment that, you know, even though Scott Morrison doesn't at all want to be talking about an election, there's a million and one chance that Labor are going to win. And it's like, so, okay, they're not even going to get voted out. They don't give a shit. They do not give a shit, especially if the media keeps running interference like that. Like, yeah, what, what, what's going to happen? He interviewed two people, Bridget McKenzie and the head, head of Sports Australia. So at the very, at, at best, he could go, oh, look, on balance, I found there was a 50% chance of something, something bad happening. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. I just really like... <laughs> <laughs> Gaijin's asking Bridget McKenzie if she's corrupt. <laughs> and then like and then like an hour passes and he finds out that like a, a new footy ground's being built in his electorate yeah. and he's like, I'm not even an MP. How <laughs> Yeah, just no no no. I, I, I cannot this is just for the report. She's like, Yep, I getcha. No no no, I yeah. just need a quote for the report. Oh, just a, a quote, you say, maybe about football. Maybe for your son's under eight soccer league. No 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 no. A quote, hey? Maybe some kind of ballpark figure. <laughs> The reason that I'm actually talking about Phil Gaitchens is because, uh, aside from the the news report about him uh, only interviewing two people for the Gaitchens report, is because the Senate is actually sitting and they are interviewing public servants uh, about their activities. And so Phil Gaitchens actually did get grilled uh, a little bit this week and... He had some pretty cool answers to some pretty cool questions, I think. So Gatchins was asked in his uh, review of the whole thing um, when he was he was asked to look at were parliamentarians uh, living up to the ministerial standards set out by, by by the parliament, and then they were asked, did you look at whether or not they were acting unlawfully? And he said it's not part of the ministerial standards to establish if Bridget McKenzie or anyone else involved acted lawfully or not. In your opinion. Uh, Mr. Gaitchens, when you were assessing Minister Mackenzie's conduct against the um, ministerial standards, which require that ministers act lawfully, did you examine this issue at all? No, I did not, because the view of, again, I so was... you didn't look at it? It no, wasn't part of your work at all? It's not part of the ministerial standards. What isn't part of the ministerial standards? To act lawfully? No, whether or not there is legal authority. That was a question specifically followed up by the Prime Minister through the Attorney-General. So I did not see the need to actually look at, in my inquiry relating to matters within the ministerial standards, to check that fact. Apparently, it's not in the ministerial standards to just say, oh, yeah, also, of course, obviously, if you do anything illegal, you've broken these standards. It's just like, oh, look, the law is a grey area, but standards, that's where it counts. What the... What? (laughs) <laughs> I think his point is like, you know, if you're a murderer, then that's already illegal and that's not a violation of the ministerial standards because <laughs> you don't need to make like, a new crime for it. 
That's an insane <laughs> thing to say, though. <laughs> it really is. Like, the idea that you have to find somewhere in the ministerial standards where murder breaks it. It's like, well, how did you comport yourself during the murder? Did you, did you, wait, were you acting in the best interest of the public during that murder? Hmm. Fuck. It's, yeah, it's totally brazen. He was also grilled on whether allocating $40 million of taxpayer funds during the government's caretaker period uh, is good. And he was like, yes. That's as close as he got to a straight answer. So I can't give you a, a one-size-fits-all answer as to whether a decision should or should not have been made in caretaker. Uh, it would relate to the actual circumstances of it being made. Well, we've got an actual circumstance here. Does that bother you, that $40 million of taxpayers' funds was being signed off after caretaker kicked in, going for projects in, in seats that the government was trying to win? Does it bother you? Well, you think that's appropriate use of taxpayers' funds? I'd have to look more in more detail and the oh, actual decisions on. that were made. <laughs> Mr Gaitchins, you're the head of the public service. Doesn't bother you that taxpayers' funds are being spent after caretaker kicks in? If those decisions were made with the advice or guidance of Prime Minister and Cabinet uh, at that time, of course, which I was not part. Um, were they? Have you checked? Did PMC have a view? Well, they didn't mind either. My understanding is that advice was not sought, but I'll leave that to people who were there at the time. <laughs> yeah, he, kept, the, he, also, he also just kept going on about how the minister resigned, so it's not my job. It's not my job. The minister resigned. The minister resigned and it's not my job. So Yeah, but we're asking, did you look into whether or not it was illegal or it was bad or it was... Well, she resigned. I don't... I don't there was another report. I don't know what you want from me. It's just, it's one of those things of like, it's, it's clearly not the letter of the law or the job description, but in the spirit of it, come on, man, have a look to see if any illegal shit was happening. What the fuck? Yeah, give a shit about your job. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but his job is protecting Scott Morrison and he's doing a very good one. Free Grants News. Angus Taylor awarded $4 million to a company with no energy experience and then invited them to apply for the grant. Friend of the pod, Angus Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, federal energy energy idiot, Angus Taylor, who we did an episode about a couple of weeks back. We dive into his um, family's businesses and his businesses and all the scandals that he definitely hasn't been involved in. Nothing um, to do with them. A very well-lit past. But um, yeah, he was pressed on this, um, or his department was pressed by way of, you know, a couple of emails back and forth. And an anonymous spokesperson for Taylor's department, like we said, the energy department, claimed that the February announcement where this company was announced to like have the grant, and then later they were told to apply for it, that was just saying which companies were eligible. Even though that announcement exists... There's recordings of it that's been written down and recorded in audio and visual. <laughs> like, we know exactly what was said. You can't just... I, I just think people like Angus Taylor come from a generation where they still don't really understand how records are kept in the digital age. No, this is the same thing as sports sports, though. Like, it's the same thing where they know, but they know that no one's really going to call them out on it. So they just go ahead and say, actually, what you yeah. heard was wrong. Yeah. That is actually that they get they got a little bit called out on this. So Ben Smee's report at the Guardian, which is where we're pulling the information from this article from, is I've got to say 
pretty good in terms of calling out bullshit. It doesn't say at any point, like, Angus Taylor, spokesperson, lied, but it does have little snippets in there where it's just, like, the facts are very conveniently placed right next to the thing that the person's uh, not yeah. correct about. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit in there where uh, Angus Taylor has said that the grant... Uh, was because an independent strategic study had said that new coal generation was a priority in central and north Queensland. And the article immediately says, the Queensland government, who is responsible for the energy grid, has said they are not aware of any such study. So... Ah... <laughs> 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 <sighs> uh... Yeah, but it really is just like a... Yeah, we're just fucking lying, and what the fuck are you going to do about it? Yeah, no, we, we we didn't give them the money. We just said that they were eligible for it, and then we gave them the money. And it's like, well, it says here that that's clearly not what happened. And like, well, you know, what, what are you going to do about it? I yeah. I'm, I'm still the P. I'm still an MP. I'm still in charge. So, uh, sounds like, I'm like I got caught in a lie, and I won. So, <laughs> I'm yeah, game theory doesn't work when there's absolutely no consequences. Like the idea of like <laughs> having to weigh up the benefits and, and, and the cost benefits of crime and whether I should do it or not. It's like, oh shit, we can just do it. Oh, we can just say <laughs> shit as well. And then yeah. it was like in the last in the last four years, it's like, we don't even have to lie. Like we can just like we don't even have to figure out tricky ways of accounting. We can just say shit. Oh like this is what kind of why I want to get into politics. <laughs> just seem, it seems fun like just saying shit and then being able to stand there smugly and just yeah with that shit eating what are you gonna do what are you gonna yeah, do yeah that's i mean saying shit and then standing there smugly is, is being on a podcast <laughs> yeah but i don't get anything from this yeah <laughs> being an mp is just having a podcast and getting two hundred and sixty thousand dollars <laughs> When Mitch does it in person, he crosses his arms and looks really smug and stiff. <laughs> Finally, the government has made another $10 million donation to Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> they, they love doing it. They love throwing money at that man. So this is, they've given, uh, uh, they've extended a $30 million grant to continue broadcasting of underrepresented sports. They've continued that on and extended it to $40 million. So there's just another bonus $10 million. This is not uh, a thing that's gone through a tender process. This is just like, do you know who needs money? Fox News. Okay. As the, as the jock on this podcast, can I just have <laughs> my moment to have a personal gripe here? I fucking yes. hate Fox Sports so much. Foxtel in Australia has this offshoot called Kyo, which is simply just for sports broadcasting. And... What most people have Foxtel for is for their sports coverage because over like maybe the last 20 years, they managed to buy up the lion's share of sports coverage in this country from all the free to wear and from the ABC. So the only way I can reliably watch footy, the one sport that's actually going on in the pandemic because they're all clustered away in Queensland, um, is through Kyo. And I don't want to have to spend like $30 a month or something stupid amount of money to Rupert Murdoch, but I have to because there's no coverage on Channel 7 that's reliable anyway. Holy shit, is Kyo 30 bucks a month? Yeah, it's insane. It's a stupid amount of money. That's fucked that they have a monopoly and yeah. you have to pay to enter that monopoly and then the government just gives them money for, yeah, this one was underrepresented sports. Yeah, and you basically yeah, have like no choice in the matter. Like, if, of course, if Murdoch had the, uh, the choice or the, you know, it, and... I keep on saying if Murdoch had the choice, he does have the choice and he's making the choice to make everyone pay for sport. Yeah, the government's not paying Fox Sports to broadcast underrepresented sports. They're paying Fox Sports 
to hide under, underrepresented sports behind a paywall. Yeah. The, 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 the grant is to have them not broadcast it. Pretty much, yeah. And 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 it's like one of those things where, like, I know that, you know, we make fun of boomers having Foxtel a lot, but, uh, you know, I like uh, uh, it, the vast majority of people in Australia, Australia is a, a very sports-friendly nation, and to continually <laughs> have it siloed away in something where you have to pay at minimum $30 a month for it is just outrageous. That's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's fucked as well because given the way Fox works and then the way the ABC works and their charter on Australian content and diversity and all the rest of it and how successful women's AFL has been like commercially and the surprise that that was, this should be put out to tender. And even if you are like a free market capitalist, you should be going, oh, I reckon a a different company could do better with $40 million for underrepresented sports. Like, let's get curling on the ABC and Fox can have, like, F1 and rugby league. <laughs> yeah, and given the just, amount just of money... Just to clarify, that- so underrepresented sports here just means, like, regular football but played by women, yeah? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it means, yeah, community <laughs> sports. It, it basically means community sports. So um, Foxtel does cover, I think, the VFL. So this will be, like, um, things that are on community broadcast channels too. Not for long. Pay, pay Murdoch the money. <laughs> they're, they're just like, oh man, we need a, we need to support the the community sports broadcasting in Australia. So, all right, Fox Sports, here's forty million dollars. Channel thirty one, we're revoking your license for no reason. Yeah, it costs us nothing to keep you going. Fuck off. <laughs> we love spending money on things that suck. How dare you operate for free? It's not even. I mean, they, I, I don't even think that it's just. The shitness of it is not even the point. They're just like, we're giving money to our friends and a business happens somewhere. Who cares? I will say in this particular instance, it is even more pernicious than just giving money to friends. Rupert Murdoch makes or breaks leaders in this country. It's just a known thing. You have to go kiss the ring. And so there's absolutely no way this wouldn't be going through to to Fox. Mm. Do you know, this makes it funny because I know it's a personal grievance. Kevin Rudd... (laughs) has been recently trumpeting about the fact that Australia won't air this investigation into Murdoch's finances that's been aired in the BBC in the UK. Um, And he's like, why won't, like the Australian press is just too cowardly to, you know, to show that. And he's right. Like, this is like the worst person, you know, just made a great point. But (laughs) yeah, it's just so funny to me that like one of his kids um, has a godparent who actually writes for the Australian. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll put this. Uh, um, Kevin, Kevin Rudd. Wow. Yeah, that's the level of kissing the ring that he did. And then when they turn on him, now he can, you know, go and talk about how Murdoch is bad. It's like, dude, you benefited from it too. What news on coronavirus this week? So it's continuing apace in Victoria. Um, we're still having a very high incidence of uh, cases here during our second lockdown. It hasn't really, the, the spate of um, infections hasn't really decreased at all. Uh, the testing has gone up though, so there's still a fairly steady line in between the percentage of positive cases compared to the number of, test, the, the number of tests done per day. Um, I heard it went down a little bit. It's gone down a little bit. Um, that's, this is the thing, like, no matter what the number is, you're just like, oh, but where's the good news? Oh, the, this way of looking at it is a little bit better than, <laughs> The bad news, though, is that, A, it's gotten into our nursing homes, which is never a good sign, which means a lot of old people are going to get either very sick or going to die. And also, the 
numbers are increasing in areas where a lot of healthcare workers and essential workers live. So all around the the outer western and uh, southern suburbs, there's extremely high incidence of cases. And this is also like a commuting corridor into the city too. So that's where a lot of these people live. Another notable part of this is that recently um, Dan Andrews was talking a big game about respecting healthcare and essential workers. We alluded to it earlier um, where he was saying, you know, um, we should respect the sacrifices they make, but now's not the time to talk about insecure work. And, and also, how else better to respect workers that need to do the work that has to be done than giving them secure work? Yeah, and, and like, so they made an announcement for emergency pay, but one thing that's just come up is that DHHS workers work on 12-month contracts. So that means that they have to reapply for the same job every single year. They're not on permanent jobs. And this is apparently still continuing during the pandemic. Yeah, so this is being reported by uh, the user Schlutz on Twitter, and it's always fun to cover politics in 2020 because you <laughs> get to assign your sources to real weird-sounding names, and maybe that's this person's real name and we're just mocking them. Ha, 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 Schlutz. Who said, yeah, not happy with Dan saying respect healthcare workers when his minister's making doctors go through the annual recruitment process in the middle of a pandemic. We have to apply for a job every year because DHHS only allows 12 months contracts. That's right, DHHS is making us write CVs, cover letters, and go through interviews in the middle of a pandemic. So when she and Dan say respect healthcare workers, it isn't something they're extending to us while we work harder than ever in a dangerous time. Just, yeah. Insane. Come on. This, this, this is in a broader context of, as well of like so many of the outbreaks have been due to shitty workplace conditions, not people breaking rules and having a party or standing too close together in a park or whatever, but just people who couldn't socially distance because they're forced to work in an office that doesn't let them socially distance adequately. That's so many of the of the cases have been from that sort of thing. So workplace insecurity is, it's exactly the fucking time. It's actually starting to shit me a bit whenever, like, you know, they bring up, like, the one case of, you know, someone having a, a bush doof or something like that. Because that <laughs> is really just, like, one in a million at this point. Like, I, I've said this before, but I still generally have the belief that most people want to help other people and will adhere by the rules. Like, I've pretty much not seen anyone without a mask in the the last mm. few times that I've been outside. Uh, people want to, you know, make sure that they're doing the right thing. And I think it's increasingly rare that people are doing stuff like parties or whatever. And so to single that out when it's so obvious the majority of cases are due to shitty work conditions, like, it's getting increasingly annoying to me. Yeah, I think part of this bullshit as well is that the political problem of like respect healthcare workers hey it results in bullshit like the like uh, i think it was in it was in the uk wasn't it where they just wanted people to applaud at six o'clock oh, yeah, every and night and that happened, in the, that happened in new york as well like yeah just yeah. clap healthcare workers while they like, die and it's it really is like it's not a matter of countering one like something bad and stupid like that with some other good and and intelligent like hollowless hollow gesture like you can just you can respect healthcare workers by giving them the conditions you would give to a workplace you respect. Like it's 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 a material one for one. You don't have to come up with these extra frivolous things like we're going to chuck you a party. It's like no, just pay them more. It's really easy to show your respect. Just have the contracts roll over for twelve months because we're in the middle of a pandemic. There is absolutely no reason for this extra shit to go on. Or yeah, you can 
you can also live by your own words and respect healthcare workers by doing things that materially help them day to day. As an example of an office that has been shut down because it turns out that there was a major coronavirus infection risk that was exacerbated by bad workplace conditions, uh, in, in a fit of irony, a Centrelink call centre was shut down because it detected positive cases and uh, 450 staff were sent into isolation without pay. They were just told to like, oh, make sure you use some annual leave or, you know, one of the parts in the report was like, oh, and if you need to apply for a, a different job, we understand. That's basically, that's crazy. Good luck though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, I always think like whenever I've had to call Centrelink, um, whenever I've been unemployed in the past, I always try to like keep that thing in the back of my head. It's like, I don't think anyone who works at Centrelink really wants to be there. They're probably having just as bad a time as me. And yeah, it turns oh, out, for sure. yeah, it turns out like it's it's so bad a time that, you know, they're all just going to work uh, with the fear of coronavirus hanging over their heads. Yeah, like one part of it was in this article is that the, the, the employees were complaining about it. They had their union also trying to like get some stuff changed because they were like, this place is not safe. So uh, in March and April, the, the company was warned that the working environment was ripe for an outbreak unless the company instituted better hygiene policies, including regular cleaning of desks and increasing the distance between workers. But the company says it implemented a range of measures, including temperature checking and installing plastic screens between desks. So they're like, look, we're working too close together. We're going to get coronavirus. Can we be spread apart a little bit? And the company was like, we'll put in plastic screens. <laughs> Fuck. Just absolutely useless. And by the way, when I say the company, you might be thinking, the company? It's Centrelink. That's not a company. That's a government service. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that there's a secret second piece of news in this, which is that Centrelink outsources this stuff to a private company to run the Centrelink call services, and you're never going to guess who the private company behind all this fuck-up is. Oh, it's, is it it's Circa? Circa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Of course it is. Every single time something evil happens around the world, it's just Circo. Like, it's just every single time. I don't. I, I think Circo is the deep state. Yeah, Circo that's, at that's... this point is actively choosing to decimate its employees. Yeah, hundred percent. Just by virtue of where they are. Well, that's the thing is they're, they're casual employees. So what do they care? They're just like, yeah, you're part of the meat that we feed into the grinder. Oh, you know, my condolences to the sausage. Like. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I spent a bit of time last night gathering um, just to, just some of Circo's greatest hits just in Australia because they are actually a British company founded in the 20s um, and they've just spread their horrible tendrils far and wide. But if you think you've heard the name Circo before, you definitely have. They've been involved in so much shit. Um, some of their most notable crimes against humanity just in Australia involve... Um, <laughs> Alleged being... crimes against humanity. No, no. Some of them have been established. Some of them have been established and sent to the UN and the UN has gone, that's a crime against humanity. And they go, yeah, but we're rich. What are you... Again, what are you going to uh, do? The Angus Taylor defense. What are you going to... We've got lots of money for lawyers. What? We... <laughs> so, Circo was one of the private security firms hired by state governments for the COVID quarantine hotels. And they're also one of the private security companies that has been directly linked to outbreaks in both Sydney and Melbourne. One of the oh biggest ones- Oh my God, ones... they were the ones who had the party at the Kusula pub. Yep. Oh shit. 50 employees had a party at the Kusula pub of which 20 had tests for COVID. Oh that was God. them. Yeah. <laughs> so they were in charge of that. This one, this one really fucking got to me. In the last two months, June and July of 2020, 
Two indigenous people have died at WA private prisons, which were run by Serco. One of which was a suicide. I wasn't even aware that we had that many fucking private prisons in Australia. But yeah. there's, there's one run by Serco in WA and someone in there committed suicide a couple of weeks after someone else died under their fucking care. The kid that committed suicide was fucking 19. Two indigenous people. This isn't even the first time indigenous people have died in prisons in the care of Serco. It's also happened in 2019 and 2015 and 2011 and 2010. And that's See, only the ones that I could find. With the recent, um, there's been a lot of recent discussion about policing and prisons in light of the Black Lives Matters protests coming in from the US and our follow-up protests um, talking about Aboriginal deaths in custody. Australia almost does not seem ready for a real adult conversation when it comes to prison abolition or even anything to do with prison reform because there is just no dialogue about prisons at all yeah. in mainstream Australian media. Like you were saying earlier that, you know, you were surprised at the number of private prisons in Australia. Yeah, like we're getting to the level where, you know, we outsource all the labour that's involved to places like Serco or Wilson that – People just don't realise it because there is no dialogue about prisons. So, yeah. so like, I mean, if we're, we're not even we're not even ready to talk about nationalising the prison system in this fucking country. Yeah. There's no way we can talk about <laughs> fucking abolishing them. But I'm not even I'm oh, not do even I have done. To put the nationalise it sting under you. One hundred percent are. One hundred percent. I'm not even I'm not even done talking about the crimes committed by Serco and its employees in private jails. All right. In 2018. It was revealed that six female Circo guards were grooming and having sex with detainees between 2015 and 18. Jesus. Yeah. In 2017, two Circo guards were suspended for a drug smuggling operation operating out of their jails. In 2010, it was revealed that contraband like weapons, drugs and pornography was going missing from storage cabinets in Circo run prisons. And the best the fucking spokeswoman could come up with was, oh, we found some of it. So Serco, one of the Serco's main exports all around the world is that they run logistics and transportation for places, and especially for like criminal, uh, the criminal justice system and immigration. We're going to put this link in the show notes. It's fucking abhorrent what they've been doing. But one, they were running transport for um, prisoners in Australia before they got the contracts to run the prisons for the most part. And while they were just running transportation, just taking prisoners from detention centres and jails and, and between courts and whatnot, they had six people die in their care, two of which they just listed as natural causes and none of which resulted in inquests. That's fucked. That's insane. Can you fucking imagine how much power you have to have to be so fucking incompetent at the one thing you're supposed to do and governments just keep giving you contracts and awards. Um, you may have also heard of the name Serco in whenever we talk about asylum seekers and our terrible immigration policies. Um, they were the company that was staffed to um, operate the Christmas Island Detention Centre and also some of our onshore detention centres like in Broadmeadows in Melbourne where I've been to a bunch of times. I used to volunteer there. It's abhorrent. Um, Serco have also been accused of and found to have abused asylum seekers, like consistently breaking the bones of one asylum seeker who was complaining about conditions in the, um, in their care. And also there is hard evidence of Serco covering it up. There was, uh, one chart is on record. He didn't know he was being recorded at the time, sucked in, um, 
He was saying that uh, Serco never investigates the complaints that are made against him. Uh, his quote is, it just gets shut down just like that because they know I'm doing the job I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, another boss uh, told a Serco guard who was trying to blow the whistle on this whole thing that if he withdrew a complaint against another guard, they'd be all, quote, good in the hood. Um, we've mentioned this before. Um, I was a wet blanket about this whole thing when it comes to the um, hotel guards having sex with someone with COVID in quarantine and how I'm not really sure that you, that a guard can get consent from a prisoner, but that's a that's a whole thing. Um, Circo guards have also been um, caught having sex, quote unquote, with detainees on Christmas Island. There was a report that came out a while ago that was showing that uh, very young women were using cigarettes to trade. It was a, it was a jail, and the and the guards were taking advantage of that shit. Yeah, but I don't think really that you can say that's 100% normal consensual sex when no, there's a, absolutely not. a hierarchy no. of power there. Um, in 2016, they sent six people to hospital while violently suppressing a hunger strike on Christmas Island. The The strike was in relation to the death of Reza Barati and their conditions in general. Um, and in 2012, way, way back in the day, it was revealed that Serco had a training manual for how to deal with asylum seekers in detention with like instructions and drawings on how to punch and kick them properly in pressure points. Yeah. Um, it, it's worth just reiterating that anybody who's in asylum, like asylum seeker detention is also not currently like serving a punishment. They're not, no. they're just they're broken, to be, like no crimes punished there. They're there to be held while their application gets assessed or whatever. It's, it's not meant to be a punishment, but here we are. Punching and kicking them to to enforce to enforce that, to, to enforce the rules of detention that they're not even supposed to fucking be. Just it hearing is... all this stuff about Serco, it just sort of reinforces to me that, um, especially with Howard um, starting this in the first place, just dehumanizing um, asylum seekers and refugees. Serco is like the final endpoint when people sort of are unable to treat these people as well, these detainees as people, that extends to almost every other part of the justice system as well. Like now, yeah. like regular prisoners not treated like people and yeah. like even people who are employees. You, you see the stories coming out about like, uh, there's a couple of stories about like the quarantine hotels were like, oh, the people in quarantine were like having parties and stuff and, and getting alcohol snuck in and that sort of thing. And it's like, fucking, they're not in prison even. Like the they're just, you know, you get stuck in a hotel room for a couple nights. Yeah, you're going to have, have champagne. A, have, a, have a party, whatever. Like, <laughs> So this is this is the thing that got me that I really wanted to, to hit. And I just, I was so fucked off for hours last night on reading this and double checking it and trying to figure out what the fuck it meant. But all of that shit has been going on for, for fucking ages. And that is all post 2010 sort of stuff. We've been involved in Serco. The Australian government has been involved with Serco for so long that in 2011, the government fined Serco $15 million for failing its duty of care to asylum seekers. $15 million seems like it's quite a bit and whatnot. And it, it, it also doesn't seem enough. If you have to fine a company $15 million for, its, for failing to fulfill its duty of care to asylum seekers, don't fucking hire them again. Yeah. Yeah. But. What blew my fucking mind about this story is that that $15 million was the aggregate of money that they like essentially docked from their pay each month. They had a contract with Serco, they paid out monthly, and every time they failed their duty of care to asylum seekers, which, keep in mind, is just keeping adults 
humans that haven't committed any sort of crime, that's irrelevant. Adult humans safe in your care. They dock a bit of their pay and that added up to about $15 million. That was the most amount of money that could be fined, Berserko, because the government had a contract with Serco and in that contract it was stipulated that the most they could fine them each month was only 5%. No matter what. No matter what they did, they could only be fined 5% each month. That is fucking insane. It's a $15 million, we get to do whatever the fuck we want fee. Yes! This is the thing. This is the thing that got me, and I was talking about it with uh, my partner Chris last night. We have both actually had a history um, working in like sex shops, like the like you know selling porn and lube and sex toys. And when I was working in one um, about ten years ago, we had a section at the back of the store which was like clearly semi-legal and illegal stuff. Like it was a lot of like German water sports and like poop play DVDs and shit, and it was. Okay. It was illegal. Couldn't have it. Met a few very interesting people getting it. They were always very nice and they'd always buy stacks of other stuff and just sort of slip it in there. It was fine. But (laughs) not here to yuck anyone's yum. What I did find interesting though is that one time when I was working there, we had um, like uh, import and export federal like cops come in, pose as customers, buy it, come back into the store five minutes later and they hit us with a fine. And it was like, yeah, you can't can't have that. So we're fining you for importing it um, without a rating and we're fining you for... Um, selling it and I was like fuck so I call my manager up and she's like yeah now that happens every six months I'll get the bail fund and we'll just put that into this month's report on payments because oh my, my the the owner knew exactly what the cost of those fines were and roughly how often they happen each year weighted up against how much money he could make and what he wanted to do and just went yeah we'll just put that into the budget how much and was that the fine twenty thousand dollars I think Oh wow! Yeah. Something oh, about but that. imagine yeah, being the loser cop who has to walk in and find you for yeah. piss play magazines. It was, it was like, pretty good. Do you it reckon was like, good. Do you they reckon were pretending that cop they were... sort of started their career thinking that they would be that guy finding yeah. you for piss play magazines? Yeah, no, I, I do. I I distinctly remember them like pretending to look around the store and be like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> they've just like they've just bought the piss play DVD and then they've gone out the front of the shop and their friend's been like, oh. Hey, Jim. <laughs> How are you doing? Is that a piss play DVD? <laughs> oh, yeah. Turn it on my heel. And that's illegal. <laughs> you're getting to fight. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Fuck. But like, <laughs> my, my point in bringing that up, though, is that the Australian government uses Serco in the exact same way. Yeah. They know that Serco have more than enough money to fight any um, court cases that might be brought against them. That gives them a level of cover that they can say, oh, well, we don't want to treat asylum seekers like that. It's bloody Serco. But they do want to treat them like that, but they've got this buffer in between it. And all they have to do is go, oh, look, we might have to dock your pay by 5%. We might have to pay a little bit extra in doing these other things. We might have to cover a little bit extra to make some payouts if the court cases go through. But that's factored in. That isn't aberrant. That is 100% considered when they keep hiring Serco. Yeah, we need a corporate death penalty. We 100% do. <laughs> if, I think you made the point before, but if corporations can be considered humans in all the positive things, they 100% should be considered humans when it comes to punishments. Well, we don't have a death penalty for humans, though. <laughs> Well, no, but I'm saying America does. I'm opposed to the death penalty for humans, but I am in favour of, like, if a corporation fucks up too badly, then their entire executive board gets fired and the rest of it just gets owned by the government immediately. Yep. 
Yeah. And honestly, for all this shit, this should be owned by the government in the first place. All this stuff should be run by the government. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. Like, they just basically sold the Obviously, the problems have nationalised the prison system, but certainly nationalise <laughs> Centrelink, nationalise the welfare system. Yeah. Yeah. It, fuck it, it blows my mind the way that they can also, like, not talk about it when i was doing the research last night there was a couple of articles i found talking about how like oh howard wants to nationalize centrelink watch out for that oh abbott might want to try to privatize centrelink watch out for that and they do they just do it subtly from the bottom up as opposed to the top down they're never going to sell centrelink they're never going to sell the abc they'll just keep eroding things to the point where private contractors have to take over more and more and more of it where essentially they are public only in name and private companies run everything else this is why the labor party can get away with making like sort of big statements but not actually doing anything because they know that the dismantling comes from the bottom and it's always Mm. like you know as you said eroding away at it but they can say things like save the abc and not actually detail how they're going to do that by stopping all the eroding because they benefit from that when they come into government Oh man, all that fucking circo stuff. That's pretty grim. Let's, uh, let's talk about war crimes for a bit. <laughs> we're we're starting time. to get a war crimes segment. We've, like, we've gone from, oh, we don't talk about war crimes much to being like, look, it's that time again. Pull up your sleeves. Let's go. The ADF yeah. are war criminals. It's war crime more time. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that, you know, you know, in World War Two where there were like the Nazis on uh-huh. one side and then there was like Australia on a different side. Well, how times change. <laughs> Fuck. Um, photos have come out uh, of Aussie soldiers posing with a Confederate flag. Why? Okay, and... I need to know why are Australians posing with a Confederate flag? What the fuck? Like, get some self respect. I, I honestly think so. Having looking at the photo, the the flag that they're posing with has a big Southern pride thing on it, and it's probably doing like a Australia Deep South because we're on the Southern Hemisphere. No, it was. Um, this is. I think it's more insane. It kind of. It, it just this raises more questions to be honest but apparently what they were doing was flying that flag to welcome or to signal to some american troops that hey the australians are here and we're welcoming oh, that's which, like which just goes liar. another it just goes another step further to be like well what's up what's wrong with the american troops then? no this is just another layer in the australian military because like okay we all know that to some extent the australian military exists and is increased in its budget because we want to kiss ass to the u.s military and so this is just a, like another layer in like the kiss ass part which is like oh look at us look at we love the confederate flag too <laughs> i really love thro- rolling out the confederate flag as a symbol of welcome no they Amazing. were no 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 it was official they were they were part of the abc article quote using it to guide a us blackhawk helicopter to a landing zone after an australian raid oh so you know God. how you know how the the official way of like signaling helicopters to land is with a with an oppression of slavery <laughs> with a symbol <laughs> of slavery and oppression it was they were doing oh that Lord. now i'm sure that there's some listeners who are like but McLean, you said that there were Nazis, but they're just flying the Confederate flag and the contemporary Confederate flag isn't a sign of Nazism. And like, one, wrong, but also two, <laughs> they were also flying a Nazi flag. This is this is not a new one, but this is uh, just 
uh, reminiscent of the, the the Confederate flag is reminiscent of the time where they did just have a Nazi flag flying on their vehicle as a prank. I love to keep a Nazi flag around to just fly it as a prank. That's the thing that that's you know, the thing good, that always gets me. Oh, you fell for it. I flew the Nazi flag, and you thought that I was flying a Nazi flag. Just. <laughs> Gotcha. Just the idea, the idea that like someone either thinks about it and carries it around or just as an impulse purchase. Like you, you, you can see Groucho masks, <laughs> like the, the, the glasses and mustache, but you can't just find a Nazi flag and be like, oh, that'll be a bit of a bloody laugh. I'll show the boys just that. Just in the $2 uh, shop alongside yeah. the fake poops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just a joke, bro. It's just a joke. Man, calm down, eh? Yeah. The commander took immediate action to have the Nazi flag taken down and the personnel involved were cautioned and counseled. <laughs> counseled. Oh, good. Cautioned. They were given, they were given an official, ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Private. Not out loud. A couple of weeks ago, um, the ADF came out and said that they added the okay sign um, that a lot of um, white nationalists have been doing. Um, they they added that to their list of like banned sort of gestures or symbols and stuff like that. So oh, they would good. they would um, you know take action against any individual in the ADF who used that. But I mean, this is just demonstration that take action really just means just taking them aside quietly and saying, "Hey, how about you don't do that." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just t- taking him aside and being like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck? Shut up, man. Shut up. <laughs> Dude, be chill. <laughs> there, there was a bit of a magical quote coming out of the ADF in response to the Confederate flag uh, incident. Uh, the ADF does not condone behaviours, gestures, flags, or symbology that are unprofessional or found to be supporting extremist ideologies. Such behaviours are inconsistent with the defence values of professionalism, integrity, courage, and teamwork. I just love that, that they're inconsistent with the defense values of professionalism, integrity, courage, and team. The problem that I have with the Nazis was not that they were unprofessional. They were just uncouth. They just, ah. That's looking at the Civil War and being like, no, those Confederates, they didn't have integrity. That's what the problem was. They didn't work well as a team. (laughs) Those Confederates, rowdy bunch, couldn't stand in a line to save themselves. I'm just like studying that civil war, studying the legacy of slavery in America and being like the civil war lacked courage. That's, <laughs> that's the problem there. Just fuck, fuck you, ADF. You see somebody flying a Confederate flag. You say, don't fly that because we have to at least pretend to be the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, McLean, do you want to read out the absolutely mind bending quote? Uh, about the Nazi flag? Oh, the, the, the Nazi flag quote from oh. Lieutenant General Campbell. This is a <laughs> use of such symbols encourages a general disregard for the most serious responsibility of our profession, the legitimate and discriminate taking of life. <laughs> oh my God. How, how do you Imagine respond? saying that out loud. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, look, I, I know that this is going to get the ADF mad at me uh, and they're uh, a powerful enemy, but I'm pretty sure, guys, that Lieutenant General Campbell is an alien and he's, <laughs> he's wearing a human visage as a hologram because that's a fucking weird thing to say, guys. <laughs> and i got to say, it's a weird thing to do. It's a weird thing to do to take a life and it's a weirder thing to be like, that was legitimate. That's like real cold and I don't like it. And I don't think that you're a good person if you have that in you. There's a, there's a lot of like return servicemen from the US, um, especially like, again, in the conversations about um, defunding the police and the military in the US. There's a lot of return servicemen who are just being like, 
casually talking about like all the lives that they've taken in Afghanistan and Iraq and stuff like that. There was like one serviceman who was like, yeah, I shot this woman point blank in the face and I feel really bad about it now though. It's like, dude, no one's forcing you to talk about this. Why are you talking about killing people so casually? That is such an unforced thing to do. What's wrong with you? Well, it's because that's a just, it's a side effect of PTSD to be like, well, Maybe killing is okay. Maybe murder is fine because that's the only way that I can live the rest of my life having done killings and murder. And here's where I'm going to do the thing where we spend a little bit of time pointing at individuals and being like horrible, horrible people. But then we got to zoom out a bit and be like, maybe they're not horrible people. Maybe it's the system that's bad. But I'm going to do that with the army as well, where like everybody in the army comes back with PTSD because it fucks you up really, really badly to kill people. And it fucks you up really, really badly to try and pretend that that was okay. Yeah. But everybody in the fucking I mean, the whole point of like basic training, etc., is to just brainwash you into believing that. Yeah, and totally. The, there's the whole, you know, media, military apparatus, all the bloody Marvel movies doing deals with the US Army to present the American Army in a favorable light. Like all that stuff. Every, <laughs> video games. The Twitch everywhere. contract with the US Army. That blew <laughs> my mind. Yeah. Yeah, so that, there was a, a brief story that I won't go into too deeply, but basically the, the US Army had a, a Twitch stream where they're doing esports and they, they still do that. It's not like a, a one-off thing. They just have a Twitch stream where they play esports and they just hang out on stream like any other video game streamer, talking to their chat and then also just being like, it's cool to be in the Army. Being in the Army, it's good actually. And then <laughs> all these teens join the Army and then they get brainwashed into murdering people and then they murder some people and they come back and they're like, existence is fucked up. It's like, yeah, the army murdered the people and they also destroyed your brain and soul. And they're two crimes that they're both guilty of. And they're, they're just like, no, but it's, it's the most honorable part of our profession is the legitimate and discriminate taking of life. In the same breath, he's like, we don't want people in the army who are supporters of extremist ideology. I've got to say, dude, <laughs> I've got to say the legitimate and discriminate taking of life. The legitimate taking of life, that's an extremist ideology. I'm calling it out. Don't <laughs> quit the army. Everybody think- who's in the army, quit. <laughs> I, th- I think as well that it, it strikes me as a little bit like the fucking... It's a version of the tweet of like a lot of people are asking questions about the legitimacy and discrimination of how I kill people, which is answered by how legitimate and discriminate my taking of life is. <laughs> like you don't, you don't, you just don't have to say that. You don't have to honorably mention how you kill people, but it's good actually. You, you can just say, it "Well, that's a, yeah." You don't become lieutenant general without drinking all the fucking Kool Aid and like thanking your superiors <laughs> for it. Like, yeah, he fucking loves it. Oorah. Lieutenant General Campbell, good man. Ho, ho, ho. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck it. Just, I've dealt with so many fucking army people. I come from a somewhat military family. I've spent enough time in Townsville partying on a Friday and Saturday night with all the AJs. They're just, they're, they're different types of chuds all the way up and down. And you're right, McLean. Sometimes some of them are shitheads for other reasons. And you can't really judge them for the military stuff, but you don't become Lieutenant General without perpetuating some of the worst fucking egregious examples of ADF war crimes. He's a fucking, he's the fucking Catholic priest of, in Ballarat hiding this. Ugh. You met a lot of these army guys, Mitch. Would you say like, what's like the proportion of people who were like dickheads before they joined the army uh, versus becoming a dickhead it, because of the it, army? Is this rhetorical? <laughs> <laughs> what do you know, fucking like, reckon? Like they're all. <laughs> I, I just, I seriously like, because I don't, I've never really, like, I've never been in any social. Well, actually, 
that's not true. They they do have like I lived in when I lived in Sydney, um, I had to catch a bus with a whole bunch of like private school kids who had to do cadets, which was basically already making them do military play like from like year eight. So they had to dress up in army fatigues and stuff. So I guess that's conditioning in a respect. I mean, look, I know I know someone who was totally blackpilled from his time in the service. He was doing comms um, and he's great now and he was great beforehand. He just had to because of fucking circumstances. But most of the people that want to do the hoorah sort of stuff, fucking per- <laughs> quote unquote personal trainers, a lot of them. <laughs> I, I genuinely have a lot of sympathy for the rank and file of the military. I oh, think fucked. that they are just basically tricked into it. Even yeah. if they're dickheads, they're dickheads about it because of a, a incredibly broad propaganda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the military it's a wider worldwide. social My, condition that has caused them to be in this position. Yeah, but well, in, but even then, it's just like, yeah, like s- some members of my family have served, got PTSD, they've killed people. I, I get it. <laughs> there can be dickheads for other reasons, but absolutely no level of dickheadry is is sufficient for you to get PTSD for fucking killing people. It's aberrant. And it should never be it should never be covered up with fucking nonsense like the legitimate and discriminate taking of life. Like no, it should only ever be a tragedy. Shoutouts this week. We've been listening to Ozpol Snackpod. They're fucking real good. good. It's real yeah, good. They're great. If you want this podcast, but different people and different topics. <laughs> That's the thing that I've really enjoyed is that they have like a very similar format to ours. They are in Melbourne as well. Um, they've got the same sort of like comedic sensibilities. I think they're around the same age, but there's no crossover in either content or gags. So you just get like, I get to listen to my own podcast another time and just get extra bits <laughs> of information. It's fucking great. We genuinely cut a massive segment about the the JobKeeper payments this week. Um, So I bloody bet that Ozpol Snackpod uh, picks it up. (laughs) (laughs) Just a good Venn diagram that we got going on with them. We should get in touch. Um, But for now, it's just a a shout out from afar. Uh, I I like their content. Another real good uh, just piece of media to shout out. This isn't an ongoing podcast or anything, but just a single video that you could watch in a few minutes is... um, Luke McGregor, an Australian comedian, he's really, really good, has done a video for The Weekly where he just does a really fucking good explanation of modern monetary theory. I've actually had a few listeners of the pod get in touch saying, hey, could you explain MMT? Because I've heard a little bit about that and you guys are, are, you know, fun explainers of things. I actually don't know a whole ton about MMT, uh, but now I do. So I'm just going to shout that one out if you wanted to know more about modern monetary theory or if you just want to know... Uh, why the government talks about deficit and debt and stuff in a way that is incorrect and how all of our problems could be solved pretty easily from an economic standpoint. That video is a really good explanation of all that. So actions this week. Um, If you're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you may have seen um, various Australian celebrities talking about the Raise the Age campaign. Now, this is a campaign to raise the minimum imprisonable age from 10 to 14. We've talked about it previously on the podcast. It is a completely insane thing to me that a 10-year-old can be jailed. Um, To be perfectly frank, it's fucking crazy to me that we can even jail a 14-year-old. Oh, absolutely. Just children in general. The idea idea that this political campaign, the best we can do is like genuinely the best we can actually hope for at the moment is going, can we stop jailing 10-year-olds and can we make them like, can we 14? Can we we make them in the teens? And it hardly needs to be pointed out, but this particular law disproportionately affects Aboriginal Australians. 
Um, mm. Just And part of the campaign has been basically get a picture of yourself at 10 and imagine yourself being thrown in jail at that age. Just unfathomable. So, <laughs> so yeah, get behind the campaign. It's raisetheage.org.au. Another great organisation, uh, Sisters Inside, are run by Debbie Kilroy. Uh, fantastic uh, work that they do. Um, they run a bail fund for female prisoners. Um, they're always taking donations. Uh, so if you go to sistersinside.com.au, you can make a donation there. I also want to just hit the, the Sisters Inside sort of purpose uh, thing a little bit, which is a lot of the people that are in prison, because it kind of just sounds like, you know, oh, pay some bail funds for some rando criminals. That if you're not sort of across the issue, but Sisters Inside exists because in in some places in Australia, you can just put people in prison because they have an unpaid debt or fine. Yeah. And a lot of the people who are in prison are just there, not because they've even done anything wrong, but just because they're poor and that's it. So it's not even like, oh, you pay the bail fund and now, you know, a, a, a robber's back out on the street. It's just like you pay a bail fund and the fine. And now the person who was in prison because they were poor is now not in prison anymore and th- th- that's it it's 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 insane to me that we can yeah. put prison we, we put people in prison for being poor and we put children in prison this is not a this is going back to like country. our previous not, conversation yeah. like you know people don't really think about prisoners in any sort of way other than oh well they're over there so they don't think about the nuances in that way and this is just one of those things yeah someone can just go to jail because they haven't paid a fine um for like a speeding ticket i genuinely reckon that if you took all the MPs in Australia and just swapped them with a random sampling of the prison population. <laughs> so you just put all the MPs in prison and you just took a random sampling of the prison population and you made them the government, Australia would be better off across the board, like on a moral slate, like it would be better governed and it would also have a more just prison population. I support it. Yep. Co-signed. Great. Well, good. Was, oh, man, I was really <laughs> expecting pushback. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love it if you got in touch with us and you can do so. Send us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com and we're all over social media at notgoodpod. Please uh, spread us around to your friends and family in a uh, safe, socially distanced way. (laughs) Uh, And leave a a like and a review. Is that the one? Whatever app you use, all that stuff. That's really helpful. Review us. Thank you. Not Good Enough was quoted on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.